0: Paul, who wrote 75% of the New Testament, the guy that wrote this book that we're in also wrote 75% of the New Testament, and he's going, of everything I wrote, of everything I talked about, of everything I unpacked for you, let me give you what's of first importance. Let me give you the thing that you can't mess up. If you mess this up, everything else is off even if it's right you're off in how you operate in it you've got to get this right you've got to get this right for i delivered to you as the first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures sin is, in the end, the elevation of anything other than God to ultimate. That's sin. There is a creator God that made everything. He not only made everything, but he is ultimately aware of everything so he's aware of everything at the macro level right he knows where every star is he knows the orbits around the solar system that planets travel he knows the depths of the seas he knows the the height of every mountain in every mountain range on every planet in every solar system in every corner of the universe He also knows it all at the micro level Every cell, every atom, every bit of mitosis He knows it all He knows every thought He knows every event He knows every event at every level of happening And how those events play into other events And lead into other events And how it flows throughout all eternity And he never has a headache over any of it And he made everything. He made everything. Check this. Everything. Everything. Air. Ocean. Stars. Sex. Marriage. Children. Family. Everything. For the glory of his name. To be gloried in and to be worshiped sin is at any moment when you take things given by God for the worship of God and make those things ultimate and therefore glory in them rather than in what they were given for So, in the end, sin is when I say money is what I'm after. It's what I'm all about. It's what I'm going to get. It's what my life's about. It's the air I breathe. It's what I want. It is the sole purpose of my existence. Money is not intrinsically evil, but by making money ultimate, you've fallen into sin. We could do the same thing with sex. We could do the same thing with family. We could do the same thing with marriage. Those things are not ultimate. They're secondary, given to produce praise. So what's God's just and right response when we take his creation and we take the emotions he gave us and the passions he gave us and the love he gave us and the vitality he gave us and instead of laying those things on him, instead put it on a sports team. How how perpetually ignorant do we look when death is coming for us, inevitably coming for us, and we're spending every hour of every day accumulating trinkets and TV channels. God in the flesh, Jesus shows up on the scene and has his blood drained, carries away sins. What's of first importance? Sacrificial, ransoming, expiating, propitiating cross of Jesus Christ. Peter, one of the twelve, never figures it out while Jesus is here. The one moment that he gets some encouraging news from Christ, four verses later, Jesus calls him the devil. He talks big never delivers, and in the end is an outright coward. few hours before the arrest of Christ, he says, even if I must go to death with you, I will not betray you. Jesus pats his head. and He's like, give me a break. I'm God in the flesh. By tomorrow morning, man, three times. At the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we find evidence that all of the wrath of God towards sinful men was absorbed in Christ. There's not going to be another Jesus. There is no need for further sacrifice. That's Hebrews 9. Jesus says on the cross, it is finished. Christ being resurrected is where we find our justification before God. Right standing before God not in doing moral acts not in attending church not in not cussing not in not drinking light beer not in not i could go on and on and on here but you do not stand justified in front of god because of any good works you stand justified in front of god almighty by the grace of god justified by the resurrection of jesus christ I'm not bitter against the church. I just think somehow we've got off and there's all this talk about morality and people are conforming themselves to these moral codes but they don't know Jesus. Who cares? It's the resurrection of Christ that justifies. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so big. It proves that all the wrath of God was poured out. It's gone. For the elect, it's gone. There is no more wrath. The same power... The same supernatural God-saturated power that healed the wounds of Jesus and resurrected him from the dead is now at work in those who believe. That in the deepest parts of our being, the Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, is at work restoring and breaking down and rebuilding and healing wounds and replacing broken parts and putting together fractured bodies. The same power that was at work in Christ is now at work in us. Who? All of us? No, not all of us. Those who believe Because most people don't run there. They run to Barnes and Noble and they get whatever book Oprah told us to get. You do not intrinsically have anything within yourself to fix yourself. Believe me now or believe me later, after 25 years or 30 years of struggling with some hidden, secret, secular sin, you don't possess the power to raise unto life that which is dead. And all of us, according to Ephesians chapter 2, are born broken. You're not going to be able to fix it. Your lust, you're not going to be able to fix it. Your bitterness, you're not going to be able to fix it. Your rage, anger, that stuff that's been following you around, those deviances that have been following you around, you don't possess the power of life and death. You can't resurrect anything. Christ can't. That's well, why we don't celebrate us. That's why we continually celebrate Him. Because we can't. Who Who's gonna bring a charge against God's elect when it's not their behavior that justifies them, but God alone? not only does all the power of the resurrection now at work in those who believe but now for those who believe because of the resurrection there is no condemnation for us and nothing can separate us from Christ but what happens when you love the Lord but there's still this lust in your heart that kind of haunts you a little bit what do you do then because I didn't even feel like where I was I was even safe to talk about that because everybody was so busy pretending that they didn't struggle with that What happens when you fall in love with Jesus but there's still some bitterness there? What happens when you happens when you fall in love with Jesus but you still have all these issues? See, the church told me that I wouldn't have those issues anymore once I got saved. I mean, That was the whole premise and framework of the gospel. Get saved because then you won't. And I got saved and kept on doing. So then where am I supposed to go? Because apparently Jesus doesn't work for me. He goes, oh, no, 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 we'll, we'll work through this. But I'm not letting you go in the meantime. Oh, we'll get there. I, I started this, so I'll finish it. If you need any reference points, check out Genesis 12 and how I fulfill it the resurrection of Christ. I'll finish it. I started it. I'll be faithful to finish. Don't give up. Keep walking. Keep pressing in. Keep confessing. Find God-loving Christ, exalting believers and do life with them. Get help. Get guidance. But don't give up. I'll heal you. And I won't let you go in end. I won't let you go. There's no one who can condemn you. I don't. And if I don't, no one can. Who will even bring a charge against you? You're mine. What court could they possibly charge you in? Everything's mine. This is what the resurrection is to us. Those who believe, resurrection is power working in our hearts, it's not perfection, it's power working in our hearts that as we stumble about on the path of sanctification, Christ holds fast. This is the first in place that Christ was crucified.